Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. A new friend of mine contacted me, he's coming to this church uh, the last couple of weeks, been part of this sermon series, and he said, Dale, I have this debt of sin that I had a question about. He said, it feels like um, it hasn't gone away. And his, his question was a legitimate, real question. He said, uh, I have sinned in the past. Is that going to disqualify me for where I want to be in the future? He just felt like it, it hadn't gone away. He said, I have confessed my sin to God, but I am reminded of that debt over and over again. Does the sin of my past disqualify me for the future? I was so thankful that he felt comfortable enough to ask me that question, and also so thankful and grateful to God that God promises us that if we turn to him, and we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. He allows our sin debt to be paid by Jesus Christ. He sets us free. And so our sin, it is so beautiful, it just disappears. If you want to find out how the Scripture describes what Jesus has done for us, we just need to stick around a couple more minutes and allow the Holy Spirit to take that Scripture into our heart that teaches us how to walk in freedom Debt, sin, debt free. Would you pray for me? Pray with me. God, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. How he picks us up and turns us around and he never leaves us alone in spite of what we have done and who we are. Lord, I thank you for the love he gives us, the forgiveness he offers us. Lord, would you allow us to now Live in the freedom of living sin debt-free based on what you have done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've been going through this sermon series called SCARS, and the S-C-A-R-S is all part of an acronym that is describing what we're going through, and we probably should have used this scripture uh, right at the beginning to have a theme scripture for you to memorize the whole time, but it kind of describes what is going on in our life. Isaiah chapter 53 it talks about Jesus. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our perversion, our twisting of his good things. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. When Jesus showed the scars on his arms to Thomas, he's showing this is proof of what I did for you. Believe in me. As we've looked through scars, we've talked about what sin is transgression, iniquity, and sin. It, it means we rebel against God's ways, we take his ways and we twist it, we pervert it to our own uh, attitude and own desires, or we rebel, we just run away from it, or we miss the mark. And we found out as we studied sin that everybody has done that. And then last week we looked at the word confession and how if we use that tool of confession, if we confess our sin to Jesus Christ, if we confess our sin to God, that is a tool that does allow us to walk in freedom. It's a tool that sets us free. God gives us that tool, and he promises if we confess, he does give us forgiveness. Today, we're going to talk about what's called absolution. 
Absolution is kind of a, a strange word, um, it, being absolved of sin. Absolution, let me get the definition, make sure I'm saying this right. Releasing us, this is today, releasing us from guilt, obligation, or punishment. See, if we sin against God, if we hurt God's feelings, if we hurt somebody else, we do owe something to take, to take that debt away. God created us. We are His creatures. And He designed us for a very distinct purpose in His kingdom. And when we go our own route, we are rebelling against our Creator and we're actually rebelling against our design. This is not a path that's going to lead to life and freedom. It will lead to destruction and death. But God in His infinite love and grace allows us to walk those paths. But if we walk a path away from Him... We have sinned against our Creator, against our God. And there's a debt to be paid. But if we are absolved of our, our sin, absolution, it means that we no longer are obligated to pay that debt. We're forgiven that debt. There is no punishment for that sin. And that's a good place to be. My friend who asked me, does a past sin disqualify me for the future? Well, if he's absolved of that sin then as he enters the future, he doesn't owe anything for what's already been paid for. And he's not obligated anymore to what, where he used to be and what he used to be like. And there's no punishment that he owes because Jesus took the punishment for him. So what we're going to talk about today and how it works. See, to be forgiven is, is two parts. It's part action and part attitude. Forgiveness involves the action of canceling the debt, which is what we're talking about today, absolution, and then the attitude of like, we are no longer angry or resentful for what somebody has done or the flaw they have or the mistake they made, and that's two part. Next week, we're going to talk about restoration, how we get that attitude right, but today is absolution. The debt is canceled. I want to talk about how Jesus does that. So we have this picture in our mind. We can roll over again and again and again when we start experiencing that memory of what we've done in the past and what we've been forgiven for. We want to walk in freedom knowing that it's been canceled and completely gone. One of the verses we can use for that and the key verse for this part of our sermon comes from Colossians chapter 2. How does God forgive us? Colossians chapter 2 says it this way. Uh, any of these verses today that I mentioned would be good to memorize. Uh, somebody from first service had already posted one of the Psalms on Facebook that we mentioned earlier. We're going to get to that one. Colossians chapter 2 talks about how God forgives us. Colossians 2 verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that means you're going your own way, not turning back to God. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. How? Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us, and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, he became sin in our place. He became a curse so that we don't have to experience the curse. God took our sin off of us and put it on Jesus, nailing it to the cross. Paying what we owe to the Father. God is a perfectly righteous and good father he loves to give mercy and he promises he will not let any sin go unpunished 
Because he is a perfect God of justice too. And we scratch our head and we say, how can he give mercy and forgiveness and punish sins? Because getting what we deserve is punishment. Not getting what we deserve is mercy. And then God goes on a little further and gives us something we don't deserve, which is grace. How can God give mercy and, and punishment at the same time? Well, Jesus pays our sin debt. If we owe God our life, Jesus pays the life in our place. Some of us need to have a greater picture in our mind of what this maybe looks like. And I think some of us need to hear about this description of how Jesus cancels our debt. And there's a a three-word phrase that we're going to practice together that uh, describes and gives us a greater picture of how Jesus makes our sin debt disappear. It goes kind of like this. It's blotted out thrown away and washed clean. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. I'm giving you uh, nonverbal cues that you're going to join me in saying this. Blotted out, thrown away, washed clean. Let's say it together. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. One more time. You know, the first hour is usually the hour where people come in, they haven't really woken up, kind of sleeping, they don't laugh at my jokes. Second hour is usually more responsive and more verbally responsive. I'm just saying, today, maybe that's not the case. Blotted out, thrown away, washed clean. One more time. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. I want to I give you a couple of examples so you have this picture in your mind of what Jesus is doing with our sin, how he offers us to cancel the debt. One of the phrases comes from Isaiah uh, chapter 43, verse 25. I love this phrase. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, God, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. If you can imagine a picture in your mind of a a written ledger where somebody takes your name and they write down what you owe in the ledger, in in the margins of that page. Your name, across from your name, what you owe, what you owe. There was this practice in Jesus's day, if you owed money, if you owed something, you'd come in, you'd pay your debt, and they would take a sponge and they would begin wiping off the debt you owed. They would sponge out, blot out the ink where it disappeared, and beside your name was now a blank space. You no longer owed that debt. This is what God does with our sins. He takes your name, and trust me, he knows everything you've done, and everything you've done is beside your name, and there is a debt to be paid for that, something you owe, and when you give it to Christ, when you are in Christ, when you put your faith, when you trust that Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection takes away your sin, It's like God takes a sponge and he blots out your account and makes that debt disappear. But that picture is not as good as if we continue to think about this just a little further. That same word is used in Psalm 78. uh, Psalm 78 or 103. Let me look. I have it in my notes here. Same word uh, used in Psalm 78. I was right. Psalm 78 says this. Psalm 78, verse 38. Yet he, God, was merciful. He, it says in the New International, he forgave their iniquities. It's that same word blotted out. 
He blotted out their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. Doesn't that kind of describe where we are with God? I mean, think about, just think about your life for a second, how you have lived your life and all the times you have rebelled against God's ways and it didn't stir up his anger or wrath, but instead, if you gave your life to Christ, he's blotted it out. Or think about the times you've taken something good that God gave you and you twisted it and perverted it for your own selfish desires and it became like an idol you just had to have. It wouldn't release you. You can't let go. It's a sin. You keep going back. And it hasn't stirred up God's anger. And he says, if you give it to Christ, he'll blot it out. Think about the times, all the times, even your own standards. You have a standard of how you want to behave and how you want to think and how you want to act and how many times you've missed that standard. The things you've said that you've regretted. You wish you hadn't said it. You wish you hadn't been there. You wish you hadn't done that. And did it stir up God's anger or did he blot it out? Is he living to blot it out? Let me give you a bigger picture of blotted out. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. It's the same word used in Genesis chapter 7. It's talking about covering. Blotted out is a covering over. Genesis chapter 7 describes when God covered the entire earth, his anger and wrath against sin was stirred up. He covered the entire earth with a global wide flood. Chapter 7 of Genesis, the waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 25 feet. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind, everything on dry land that had breath of life in, it, in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was blotted out. This is the picture I need. This is the picture I need of Jesus' blood covering my sin. The sponge on my ledger, probably not enough. But a worldwide flood of the blood of Christ covering over my sin, there's no way we could find it. See, anything that's covered by the blood of God, submerged underneath the blood of Christ, blotted out, will never be uncovered. It will never be taken out and shown to anyone. It is completely worldwide flood style covered by the blood of Christ. This is the picture I need in my head. For when Jesus says, he blots out my sin. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. Maybe you needed that picture today. Maybe you need another picture. A friend of mine who is a therapist told me recently that she actually accidentally dropped her phone into the ocean. And all I could think about was like, oh man, did you like dive in to get it? Because like I use my phone every day. What, what, what would you do? You know how fast a phone sinks there's no way you can dive in and get there before it's out of reach and out of sight. You know what God says he does with our sin? In Psalm 103, verse 12, he gets, throws it away as far as the east is from the west. In Micah chapter 7, verse 19, he says he takes it up off of our body and throws it into the ocean. You know how fast the phone is out of sight and out of reach. That's how fast your sin is gone. That's how far away it is. 
Some of you needed a picture of a worldwide flood, blood of Jesus that covers over your sin. It can no longer be uncovered. You can't even find it. But some of you need to know that your sin has been taken off and thrown away, blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 talks about this washing clean Some of you used to live a life that was outside of Christ, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, washed clean. He takes the blood of Christ and just scrubs our soul till it is perfectly clean. No evidence that sin ever existed. It has disappeared This is absolution, absolutely gone. Does your past sin disqualify you for the future? Not if you don't owe a punishment, not if you can't find it, not if it's been washed away, not if it's blotted out, not if it's under a 25 foot over the mountain's covering of blood. It won't be uncovered, not if it's dropped in the ocean. I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this. We need to be telling ourselves this because just because you've been forgiven doesn't mean you have amnesia. And sometimes the memory of those events will come back and they still haunt us and we are dragged back to the person we used to be and back into what we used to be a part of instead of being able to move forward and walk in freedom. But I don't necessarily think that thought is from you. Sometimes I'll be driving along, for no apparent reason, a memory will flash in my head of something, a mistake, a sin I have done in the past that is so embarrassing I I would dread if anybody ever found out about it. Where'd that thought come from? You know, not every thought that you have in your mind is from yourself. When Jesus was being tested in the wilderness and he was fasting 40 days, Satan came along to tempt him and said, Jesus... Here's a way you can prove you are the Son of God. Just turn that rock into bread. That wasn't the thought of Jesus, but it was placed in his mind by Satan. So Jesus had a thought that wasn't from himself. You know, if you are ever reminded of a sin that you have confessed and you know has been forgiven, that's probably Satan or one of his demons whispering in your ear to try to get you to live back in the guilt and back in the place of debt. And so we are allowed to speak the true words of God to ourselves and to those demons. That sin was taken care of, was blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. I think we need to say that out loud. To teach ourselves and remind ourselves that our debt has disappeared and we now walk in freedom. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. Let's practice again. Say it with me. Blotted out thrown away, and washed clean. One more time, because you need to get this in your mind, you need to get this into your heart, the Holy Spirit needs to impress it upon you so that you can speak it and remember that your debt has been removed by the blood of Christ. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. Isn't that a powerful way to live? Isn't that good for... How many find that to be good news? Yeah, that's good news. That's good news. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I'm so sorry. You're still living in debt. We found out last week when we confessed, we know where sinners go. Wilmington Church of Christ. 
It's good news. And when God changes us, it becomes evident. This is the second part of our message. I just looked at the clock. We have six minutes to get through. I'm not going to make it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, the ceiling is kind of like a luggage tag. You ever been to the airport? Your luggage comes around. You're looking for your tag to know which bag to pick up. Holy Spirit seals you so when Jesus comes back, he knows which people to take with him. You are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid, here's a command, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Uh-oh. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Blotted out, thrown away, and washed clean. That's how we're supposed to treat other people. This is hard. This is really hard. You know, if, if you have, this is dangerous too, if you have someone in your life that has wounded you very deeply, it's hard to forgive them but we're commanded by God to forgive them. And it actually ends up being a proof that you have been changed and forgiven yourself on whether you're willing to move through the process of forgiving that person that hurt you. Here's the dangerous part. If you have somebody in your life that you are unwilling to forgive, that may indicate that you're not really saved. It may be an indication that you have not been changed by the blood of the Lamb. It may be an indication that you have not become a new creation in Christ, but you are still living. You might say that you're a believer. You might say that you love Jesus, but when you reject His commands, it proves that maybe you're not. This is dangerous. Dangerous place to be. And we are commanded to forgive each other just as we have been forgiven. Oh, that's hard. This is the prayer of Jesus. This is the prayer of Jesus when he says, here's how you should pray, here's what you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That means we take his kingdom, his will, wherever we go, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And it's not a condition. It's not saying... We only receive forgiveness if we forgive somebody else. It's actually saying it proves that you have experienced forgiveness, that you understand the enormity of your own sin, that you understand the enormity of the sacrifice of Christ on you, that you understand the enormity of grace been given because you show that you are giving others that same forgiveness. It's the same phrasing. When you go a little further after that prayer, he says, if you forgive others their sin, your Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive, your Father will not forgive you. There is evidence there that you're not really saved and walking in forgiveness. Doesn't mean it's easy. It's a difficult thing. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. I had a, a friend of mine stop me after first hour and he said, but what about the people who don't ask for repentance? What about the people who are not sorry? Should we still forgive them? That's a great question. In the Old Testament, repentance for forgiveness was required. In the New Testament, forgiveness is done by grace. Also, I'd like to point out, this is, in, this is really important for us to hear. If we have somebody who has harmed us and wounded us, 
and we're waiting for them to be sorry for what they have done before we offer forgiveness, we're also allowing them to control whether we're going to walk in freedom. We're allowing them to control whether we're going to obey God or not. And you know what? They may never ask for forgiveness, and they may never be sorry for what they did, and we can still offer forgiveness. Now, for them to receive forgiveness, they have to be sorry and repentant. They have to receive it, but that doesn't stop us from giving it. See, forgiveness means we've canceled the debt. They don't owe anything to us anymore for it, and they're no longer obligated to pay us. We're no longer dwelling on it anymore. We've given them forgiveness. They don't hold us back anymore from walking with Jesus. Forgiveness is something you do that's good for you. Something you do in a response for what God has done for you. And there is a way, a pathway to forgiveness. I was asked um, a couple weeks ago, you keep saying to forgive, you keep saying forgive, but how? Is there a way to forgive? Well, I'm going to try to write a way to forgive that maybe we can remember that would help us. Um, if you, it's, it's noon, we usually stop around noon. If you have to leave, I understand. If you, it, it'll be online. If you have to get out of here, if you've got a place to go, some people have jobs right after, right after church, I understand. If you get up and have to leave right now, I understand. If you can stick around a couple more minutes, we're going to go through a path of how to work through forgiveness. And it, it, it's involved in this acronym, uh, FORGIVE. Now, uh, forgiveness is actually pretty complicated, but we're going to try to break it down and make it a path that we can go through a process We've been given forgiveness. Now we are given the command, forgive each other, just as in Christ Jesus you were forgiven. Uh, First part is uh, four. Before you do anything else. Four. Before you do anything else, you need to assign blame. You need to name the offender and name the offense. We don't need to deny that you're hurt We don't need to excuse that you were hurt. We don't need to live someplace where it's kind of like, I know I'm hurt, but I don't know why. We need to, we need to label it. We need, and we can do this in our mind. We don't have to go around telling everybody uh, that person hurt me and here's what they did. In fact, I recommend you don't. But we do in our own mind need to name the offender and name the offense. We need to hold each other accountable for our actions. There's a, there's a trap that gets involved here. Because as we start naming the offense and name the, name the offender and name what they did, uh, there's a trap here where we, where we start evaluating and we find out sometimes that we're partially responsible for what somebody else did. That still doesn't mean they don't owe anything. That still doesn't mean they haven't hurt you. Even if you're partially responsible for what they did, you still get, they still have to be held accountable for their actions. In fact, if you have a judge or a politician or a police officer or a prosecutor who doesn't hold people accountable for their actions, they're a terrible judge and terrible prosecutor, they're a terrible politician, and the whole world order, the whole order of our nation will fall apart. We have to be held accountable for our actions, especially in our judicial system, especially in our lives. We are held accountable. And in a church setting, we hold each other accountable for our actions. It's what we can see. So we need to name the offender and name the offense before we go any further. And even if you are partially to blame for what has happened, still have to hold each other accountable. There's another trap you can fall into where you get to understand why they are how they are. 
I'm listening to a biography on Mickey Mantle right now. He's a baseball hero, played for the Yankees. Turns out he wasn't a great guy. Behind the scenes, he was a womanizer, cheated on his wife. He was a drug addict. He was an alcoholic. He would say things just to get, he would say terrible things to little kids just to get a reaction. I mean, sometimes he wasn't a nice guy. You know why, though? He was molested when he was young. He was an alcoholic. He had a real disease. Well, just because we can explain why he did the things he did doesn't mean we get to excuse the behavior. If somebody has hurt you and you find out why, something in their background, they were raised wrong, they had bad parents, uh, they had a drug problem, they were addicted, it doesn't excuse the behavior. There's still a problem that they are held accountable for with their actions. But this happens as we take the time before we move forward to name the offender and name the offense. Second letter is G, we need to know the gravity of the offense. We need to know if they've just scratched our skin or if they've scraped our soul. You know, different offenses call for different types of payment. Well, we need to understand how somebody hurt us, name the offender, name the offense, and we need to evaluate, is it really that bad or is it really bad? We need to decide if they've harmed the relationship or ruined the relationship. And this, this happens as we think about it. And this is important. We need to know the gravity of the offense. How much pain have they caused? And we need to honestly evaluate. You know, if I, I, I was just reading. If, if your children's school all of a sudden makes a rule that they now have a dress code, but you've already bought their school clothes for the fall, but now you've got to buy new clothes, yeah, that's a problem. I could understand where you'd be upset. But it isn't that bad. It's not like murder. It's not, you know, it's not a big one. It's a little, it's a little problem. It's uncomfortable. It's frustrating. It's going to cost you more, but it's a scratch. We understand the gravity. Then the I. I owe you. Figure out how much they owe you. There is a debt to be paid. There's a couple of choices now that you have. Now that you've honestly evaluated the situation, you now have the choice. Since you've named the offender and named the offense, you have the choice now to not offer forgiveness. That will leave you trapped, and it might reveal something about your soul that makes you very uncomfortable. But you can't move to forgiveness if you haven't assigned blame. You don't even have the choice on whether you're going to forgive or not if you haven't assigned blame. Then we need to decide, are you going to seek revenge and payment? For what they did. We want everybody to know so they are embarrassed and made small. And we want financial reparations because they owe me. You need, if you go down the path of revenge, you'll never be satisfied. But it is a choice you're allowed to make. Once you identify how they've hurt you, you can choose what the payment is going to be. I got to warn you though, seeking a path of revenge where it just rolls over in your mind over and over and over again is not a healthy way to live. And just because you think about taking revenge on them and you wish that they were dying or they were getting hurt, it won't make them get hurt or die. And if they do get hurt and die and you think, good, God got them, that will not relieve the injury that was caused to you. Another choice you have here with the IOU is you can absorb the payment yourself. We do this with our kids all the time. 
you have kids, they have made a mistake and they have cost you money and you've just absorbed that debt and paid for it yourself. Caitlin, I got to tell this story. I love it. My daughter has this great compassion to reach out and help hurting animals and hurting people. She found a turtle in our driveway. Dad, we have to save this turtle. Honey, the turtle got there by itself. It's going to be fine to leave by itself. No, we need to take it to a creek. No, I don't think we'd. Okay, that's fine. Let's take it to a creek, drop it off. It'll save it. She gets into the car. And you know what turtles do all day in case somebody picks them up? They drink water all day just in case somebody picks them up. And she got in the car, and I don't know. She was in the passenger seat. I've never seen anything like it. Somehow she had the turtle upside down where its rear was facing me. And from the passenger seat, that turtle decided to uh, defense mechanism relieve itself. It got in the console, on the steering wheel, on the window, and on me. I might not have handled myself exactly how a Christ follower does. But after that, I helped clean the car, absorbed some of that debt, we drove the, and then we drove the turtle to the creek to drop it off. See, we absorbed the debt. You're allowed to do that. Once you assign the blame and you figure out what it is, you can offer forgiveness and you say, I'm just going to take it. That is a way to go ahead and walk in freedom. And over time, as you continue to practice that thought that you have in your own power thrown away the debt they owned, it, you're going to be reminded. It doesn't mean you forget. Um, you'll eventually get to the point where you, don't, you no longer feel like they owe you anything. There's one other option you can do, though. See, when Jesus died, he died for the entire world. That's what Scripture says. You can give this debt and allow Jesus to pay it. See, if you accepted the payment for your sin, where Jesus blotted it out, threw it away, and washed it clean, he also offers the same forgiveness to the people who have hurt you. You're allowed for Jesus to pay this debt, and this is the fastest way to get clean and away and free. This is the word where it says, get over it, get it behind you, work through it. All that means, all those words mean that you have given it to Jesus and he's going to pay for it. And if the memory comes back up that they still owe you or you see them and you still have this emotion that stirs within you, you turn back to he has blotted it out, thrown it away, and washed it clean. And you will get to the point where you no longer feel that resentment or anger towards someone because you're actually walking and living in the reality of the freedom Jesus gives. This is the best way, if you give that debt to Jesus, this is the best way to be forgiving others as, as you have been forgiven. Now, they may not receive the forgiveness because receiving forgiveness means they have to be repentant and sorry. When we go to Christ, we have to be repentant and sorry to receive his forgiveness. But he's offering it. The V is now, this is important, valid reconciliation. What I mean by that is, just because we forgive somebody doesn't mean we're now back in a relationship with them. Forgiveness doesn't give you amnesia. Forgiveness should also not make you dumb. 
If somebody lies to you and lies to you and lies to you and lies to you and lies to you, you can forgive them all, every single lie, but never start trusting them. If somebody is abusing you verbally or physically, you are allowed to forgive them. You don't have to do it immediately, and I don't recommend doing it immediately, but I do recommend immediately get out of that relationship. As you work through forgiveness for that person, if they're never repentant and never sorry, don't go back in that relationship with them. Don't be dumb just because you forgave somebody. Forgiveness does not mean you have built back trust. Forgiveness does not mean you have restored a relationship. You need to have valid reconciliation. Depending on what the harm was depends on how much of a relationship you move back in with them. If you are a bank robber and you come to serve here at this church We're going to love you. We're going to allow you to walk in freedom. We're going to bless you. We're going to know that God has forgiven you, and we're not going to let you work with the money. Valid reconciliation. We're reconciled, but there are limits depending on what the problem is. In your relationships, offer forgiveness Be obedient to Christ. Learn to walk in what that freedom means. They don't owe you anything else for it. But you also need to be wise on the reconnecting of that relationship. That's why that's valid reconciliation. We want to seek reconciliation. We want relationships restored. But sometimes their position, because it takes two to reconcile, and if they're not willing to be forgiven, if they're not repentant, you don't have to be in a relationship with them. If your husband or if your wife has cheated on you and you feel like that just didn't hurt the relationship, it ruined the relationship, you may not ever be able to be in a relationship with them again. But that doesn't mean you're going to continue hating them or be angry with them. You're going to give them forgiveness eventually. One of the stories I read, the woman, after her husband had divorced her and remarried three times, came back to her and said, will you please take me back? And she said she realized at that moment, I don't really like this guy and I might not have ever really liked him to begin with. She had forgiven him. She doesn't want any harm to come to him. She hopes God blesses him. She was really hoping that his last relationship would have worked out. But she's not going to be married to him again. Valid reconciliation. And then the E, final one. Effect. When we move to forgive somebody, it has this supernatural effect on everything around us, including ourselves. When we move to forgive someone, it is answering the prayer of Jesus, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're taking his will, his kingdom, everywhere we go with this act of forgiveness. When we forgive someone, when we move into forgiveness, it has this effect. Uh, One author says it creates an alternate reality that's better than what you were living in before. Oh, I love that. This, This life verse that we've used this year, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we're willing to die for Jesus, when we unite the testimony of our forgiveness with the blood of the Lamb that blots it out, 
throws it away and washes it clean. Oh, it creates this environment of grace that just replicates itself with other people. We are forgiven and we give forgiveness and then that person is changed and they give forgiveness. We're forgiven, we're changed, we offer forgiveness and that person doesn't accept it. But you know, we have this area of grace all around us. We have this impact in our life and the, the life of others that is supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit within us where we no longer walk around with debt weighing us down because it has just disappeared. Oh, that's good. See why we need to move to forgiveness? Don't let somebody who is not sorry not allow you to walk in the freedom that offering them forgiveness grants you. Don't allow the pain and the harm that they have done to hold you back from experiencing the freedom that Jesus Christ gives you with this simple command that's difficult to follow through. Forgive each other as you have been forgiven. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.